elevates trusting all is well well is all welcome 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 back to elevated frequencies reading segment where you maintain your visual to be deeply unlocked in order to tap into your confidence to get things adjusted i'm your host sherry also known as shy shy also known as nylaris If this is your first time joining Elevated Frequencies reading segment, please, I encourage you, if interested, to go back to chapter one of Akata Witch, which we are ending this week. Um, And we're going to start reading Akata Warrior. But this is the ending of Akata Witch by Nettie Okafor. We will be reading chapters 20, 21, and 22 this week. Um, as that are that's the last ending chapters and then I'll also just throw in the epilogue um, just to give us a, a kind of heads up or a sneak peek of what there is to expect in Akata Warrior. Without further ado I hope you have your snacks. Um, I hope you're in a comfortable place even if you aren't. I just hope that you are in a place where you can just wind it down my love. And slow it down, my love. Don't overwhelm yourself. It's gonna get done. Just wind it down, my love. And slow it down, my love. Don't overwhelm yourself. It's gonna get done. Without further ado, let's get into this. Chapter 20, I See You. Everything settled. Mud and plants and small trees dropped from the sky. The noise stopped. Except for the chittim falling at her feet. The heavy pressure of fear lifted. In its place came a pain in her lower back and a general ache all over her body. I'm going to pause there very quickly and I'm so sorry, but I did not recap what happened last week. Um, Ekwensu was awoken and it is what Black Hat was working on and things of that sort, but Ekwensu awoken and... um. Sunny, <laughs> Sunny let Anyanwu, her spirit, her other self, guide her into defeating Ekwensu. So at the end of last week, we were reading that Ekwensu was sent right back to the underground. So now we're just reading the aftereffects. So this started with where Sunny currently was. So without that, pause there. Let's resume. Chi-Chi! In here! Chi-Chi called. Sunny slipped and fell in the mud twice before she got to the OB. I think he's waking up, Chi-Chi said. Go find Orlu! Sunny stumbled out the back of the obi. 
Orlu was still there with the two children, but everything had changed. They were alive. They looked at her with terrified suspicion as they clutched Orlu's chest and leg. Orlu! His dark brown skin was covered with mud. His body was so still. Don't hurt him! One of the toddlers screeched, clinging more tightly to Orlu as Sunny approached. The child kissed him on the cheek, muddying her lips and looked fearfully at Sunny. Don't hurt our angel, please. I won't, she softly said. He's my friend. His name is Orlu. Orlu, the other child said also kissing Orlu. He spit the mud from his lips, wiped Orlu's face, and kissed him again. Slowly, Sunny knelt beside the children and felt Orlu's face. It was still warm. She touched his chest and felt a strong heartbeat. Thank God, thank God, she sobbed. She whispered his name into his ear and softly shook him. When nothing happened, she kissed his ear, whispered his name again and again. When he still didn't respond, she shook him hard, starting to panic. What? he finally said. His eyes opened and he looked at her. He turned to the toddlers. What? What happened? It worked? Sunny nodded, tears in her eyes. He raised his hand and wiped some of the mud from her cheek. She leaned forward and hugged him for a very long time. Can you stand up? She finally asked. Yeah, he said. She nearly had to drag him to his feet. They were dead. He said as he straightened up. I reversed. Now they live. He laughed and pointed to a huge pile of chitim. I passed out as it was as if as it was falling. He said. They walked to the obi, the toddlers following close behind. Black Hat brought Ekwensu through. Sunny said. He took his own life to do it. She felt a little sick. I. Something happened where I. I don't know, but I sent her back. Orlu stared at her for a moment. The old one sent us for a reason. Sasha was sitting up and rubbing his chest when they entered. Next to him was a pool of vomit. When he and Chichi saw Orlu and the toddlers, they smiled. Sasha, you okay? Sunny asked. He nodded, looked at his vomit, and shrugged. She used healing hands powder on my head. I guess she finally learned how to make it work. Too well. Chichi laughed. Well, at least you're alive. Let's gather our chitum. A council vehicle will probably be here soon, Orlu said. 
How are we going to carry all of that? Sonny asked, noticing another pile on the wide path to the gas station, earned by Chichi and Sasha, and another in the Obi, earned by Chichi when she used whatever juju she used on Black Hat. The library council van arrived a half hour later. Sonny laughed. She'd expected at least 10 council cars to come running, carrying all the scholars in West Africa. Silly her. Sorry, we're muddy, Olu said apologetically to the drivers. The toddlers clung to his legs. No problem, the man said. Been raining. From his accent, Sonny could tell the man was from the Caribbean. Get in, the driver said. No worries, Star. Mud ain't paint, you know. In the van, the toddlers refused to leave Orlo. They snuggled against him in the back seat and were soon fast asleep. So, your mother told you that charm? Sonny asked Chi-Chi. My mother knew your grandmother, Chi-Chi said, but not very well. Your grandmother visited my mother last night in a vision and gave her the juju that she gave me. My mother called it a bring back. Only powerful scholars can make one. After they die, they bring it back to someone living and whoever the juju is worked on will have his worst sins brought back to him. As if it is the will of the earth. Classic, Sasha said. Black Hat's sins really did catch up with him, eh? I wonder how the other Oha covens got those few children out, Chi-Chi said. Black Hat probably killed those coven members instead, using their lives to further open the way. But their lives probably weren't as effective as the children's. He may have forced them to ingest ten times as much calabash chalk before he killed them, Orlu said. The driver stopped at the Abba police station and got out. You, the driver said to Orlu, help me bring him in. Let me do the talking. Orlu nodded as the driver carefully took the boy. Orlu carried the girl. They were in the station for a half hour. We were questioned some, Orlu said as they drove away. We just told them we found the children wandering near the gas station. I didn't bother trying to explain about being all muddy. Driver, they'll be okay, right? Right as the right kind of rain, the driver said. Pick me them resilient little things. Orlu had developed an attachment to the children, as they had to him. It made sense. He had returned their lives. Sonny patted him on the shoulder. It was for the best. They have to go home to their families. I hope they don't blab about what they saw, Sasha said. Even if they wanted to, they don't have the words to describe it all really, Chi-Chi said. And who's going to believe what a small child says? Hey, is this going to take us to Leopard Knox? Sonny asked. They turned into a narrow, bumpy road, flanked by forests on both sides. 
She could have sworn she saw a blue monkey swing by on a branch. Tis, the driver said blandly. Only a few of them can enter this way. She watched attentively out the window. Minutes later, they approached a wide concrete bridge that ran over the river. Everyone closed their eyes, the driver included. He even let go of the wheel. Sunny kept her eyes open. She considered asking what was going on. Nah, let me just watch, she thought. The moment the car moved onto the bridge, she felt her spirit face push forward. It was involuntary. She looked around. Everyone else had changed too. Orlu's face was square and bright green. It was decorated with thousands of wiggling Sabidi symbols, too small for her to read. Sasha had the wooden head of a fierce-looking parrot, his thick beak a bright yellow, and the rest of his head a bright red. She'd already seen Chi-Chi's long, marble-like spirit face. She couldn't see the drivers because he was in front. Then they were over the bridge. She quickly shut her eyes and pretended to open them with everyone else. She looked out the window, embarrassed and a little guilty. What she'd viewed was very, very private. But she was glad she looked. When they reached the Obi Library, the sun was just coming out. You shouldn't be taken to your homes. The driver said flatly. What about mine? Sunny said. My family won't know what it is. It's taken care. It's taken care of. He said. He drove off without saying goodbye. None of them really cared. When they stepped into the library this time, the change was obvious. Though several buckets still collected drops of water, people were walking about quickly and talking excitedly. Some looked agitated, and some happy. News traveled fast. Samya jumped up from behind the wetten desk when she saw them. "You're here!" she shouted. People stared. Samya ran over to them. "Come!" Again, they were led to the third floor, not the fourth, to Sugar Cream's office. Sugar Cream stood up and hurried over. Samya, she said, "Get them fresh clothes." Yes, Oga, she said, leaving. What happened? Sugar Cream said, "Tell it all to me." It took them a half hour. Samya came with a stack of clothes, setting them on the floor next to Sugar Cream's chair. You four did an excellent job. Sugar cream said when they finished, "And you, Sunny, put the deepest fear into Ekwensu. But because of what Black Hat has done, it will be easier for her to return now, and she'll start gathering in the spirit world. So we here in the physical world must also prepare. I've known this time will come." She paused. I will tell your teacher and your mentors about all you did. 
For several moments, she stood up and hugged each of them and took Sunny aside. Sunny and Sugar Cream looked into each other's eyes. Sunny held her breath, but didn't look away. Then Sugar Cream pursed her lips and said, You've proven yourself today in more ways than one, she said. She crossed her arms over her chest and nodded. Okay. Sunny grinned. She finally had a mentor. Chapter 21 Timing By the time Sunny got home, the sun was setting again. She'd been gone for over 24 hours. The air was heavy with mist as the rainwater evaporated in the heat. Her brothers were outside, kicking a soccer ball around. She wore a clean green rapa and white t-shirt. Her sandals, the ones she'd left home in, were encrusted with mud, as with her hair. She ran over and stole the soccer ball from her brothers with her feet. Even in her rapa, she was quicker than them. Where have you been? Chukwu said. He looked angry. You look terrible. She kicked the ball to Ugana. Trying to save the world, she said. Yugana kicked the ball to Chukwu, who kicked it to her. Daddy is going to flog the hell out of you, Chukwu said, looking her up and down. Mama defended you and said she'd give you permission to go. But Daddy, he looked at his watch. We better get ready for it. She brought her foot back and sent the ball flying across the street into the neighbor's concrete fence. Chuku cursed at her as he ran after it. Yugana punched her in the shoulder as he followed Chuku. She went inside. The smell of pepper soup filled her nostrils as soon as she opened the door. High life music came from her parents' room. It was half past six. She didn't care what time it was. She had a reason to be late. And her father's issues weren't hers. She went to the kitchen, where her mother stood bent over a huge pot of pe- pepper soup. Hi, Mama, she said. Her mother whirled around, her eyes inspecting every part of Sunny for injury. She grinned, and tears came to her eyes. Then the grin fell from her face. Sunny turned around to face her parents. Neither of her parents had been to work in a day and a half because of the rain. It was rare for them to have or enjoy free time. Her father wore his favorite home outfit, a yellow and blue wrapper and a t-shirt. But there was not a trace of relaxation on his face. Where in the hell have you been all day? Dad, she said, her voice shook. I, I was up to nothing unholy or shameful or dirty. 
I was with my friends and he, she skipped back as her father's hand flew at her face. He missed. She held up a shaky hand. No more, dad. He came at her again and again. She dodged him each time. He pushed aside the dinner table. Emeka, her mother yelled at him. Ah, ah, stop it. Stop it now. Biko, please. She pulled Sunny behind her. This is why she runs wild, her father bellowed, breathing heavily, more irrational. Sonny's anger at him flared as he kept shouting. It's all you. You protect her and she thinks she can do whatever she wants. She's got your genes, your damn mother's genes. She'll come to no good like your mother. Aren't you concerned about that, eh? Her mother was quiet. You don't speak because you know I'm right, my wife, he said. Your mother started disappearing at night around this age, no? Didn't she tell you that? Then one day she came home carrying you in her belly. She's lucky the guy married her. She turned back to Sonny, or he turned back to Sonny, disgusted. A beating won't save you. Look at you. You're lost. I can't stand it. He, tur- he turned and stormed out the kitchen. Sonny sat down at the table and just stared off into space. Tears running down her face. It was sad. So sad. She put her head on the table. Through all her thoughts of Ekwensu, her friends, her parents, the fights in school, her grandmother, one question burned bright and hot. Who am I, Mama? Sunny didn't see what her mother was doing because she had her head on the table. Her mother must have stood by the stove looking at her as she stirred the pepper soup. Because minutes later, she set a bowl out of of it in front of Sunny. She could feel the heat from the bowl against her arm. She could smell the pepper. Her mother pulled up a chair and sat down with another bowl. Sunny could hear the click of the spoon as her mother ate. Slowly, she sat up. Her mother handed her several tissues and watched her wipe her red eyes and blow her nose. Then Sunny picked up her spoon and began to eat. The soup was hot and there were large chunks of chicken and tripe in it. It was good. Your father never wanted a daughter, her mother said. Sunny spooned more soup into her mouth. Delicious. You see your brothers, they are just like your father, she said. When they are sons, to him they're safe. She smiled sadly. He doesn't understand that with them he was just lucky. It could have been them too. You all come from me as well as him. 
and it comes from her, my mother. Sunny closed her eyes. Mama, please tell me about Grandma. Her mother looked at her soup inside. <sighs> Your auntie, Chin Wei told me you were asking about her. She looked at Sunny. Are you sure you want to know? Yes. Once I tell you, I can't untell you. She pleaded. It's okay, please, Mama. Her mother picked a piece of chicken out of her soup and nibbled on it. I have two younger sisters, as you know, she said. I'm not sure how my mother and father met, but my mother became pregnant with me while she was very young. My father refused to leave her. He loved her very much. She paused and took a spoonful of soup. My parents weren't married. She finally said, "I don't know why. None of us never knew why. I just tell your father that they were. If he'd have known, he'd have never." She looked at her hands ashamed. My mother was a strange woman. She loved us dearly. Raised us to be smart and independent and educated. She watched us closely, like she was looking for something, but I don't know what. Whatever it was, she didn't find it. Not in me or my siblings. I think she'd have found it in you. I'm not stupid. I can see between lines. She paused. Weeks ago, I was passing your room one night, and I saw. I saw a pile of metal dings that I once found lying in my mother's bedroom, when she was alive. Sunny put her hand over her mouth, shocked. Her mother shook her head and waved a hand at her. It's okay. <laughs> Everyone thought your grandmother was leaving at night to run around with other men, but there were other reasons. My father was just a coincidence. My sister once saw Mama disappear right into thin air. We all knew there was something strange about Mama. What do you think she was doing? She shrugged. I have no idea. Why don't you tell me? I. I can't. Sunny said. She nodded. That was what my mother used to say. A silence fell between them. I trust you, her mother said, reaching forward to take her hands. This brought tears. To Sunny's eyes, especially after the garbage her father had just spewed. Mama, you can trust me. I swear it," she said. "I know." What of Dad? 
she said finally, hopelessly. Her mother smiled sadly. Some things are inevitable, but you're suffering for her dishonesty. He may not know that my parents were never married, but he knows your grandmother's reputation. Men always blame the woman when a child dissatisfies him. In this case, he is right in more ways than one. Does he hate me? Sonny asked. Her mother paused. We moved back to Nigeria because of you. I had this strong feeling that something bad was going to happen to you in the United States. And I told your father this. He didn't want to move back here. Sonny frowned. So that's why he agreed? Because he thought your feeling was right? Her father had moved back to Nigeria because of her. She found it hard to get her mind around this idea. Her mother nodded. But I was wrong. It wasn't that something bad would have happened to you in New York. It was that something needed to happen to you here in Nigeria. Her mother got up and gave Sonny a tight hug. I love you, Mama, Sonny whispered. I love you too she said, but be careful, be very, very careful. She held Sonny's face in her hands. Today is the day my mother was killed. Sonny froze. Yes, her mother said. And that day, it was raining too. It happened in my father's obi. Behind the house. Timing, Sonny thought. The scholars had said it was all of a question of timing. When she returned to her room, she found a wooden box on her bed. A ghost hopper sat on top of it. She quickly closed her door. This must have been the box her her auntie told her about. It was made of thin wood. It was cheap. The moment she touched it, it flipped open. Inside was a handwritten letter and a sheet of Sabidi symbols. The letter said, Dear child of mine, If you are able to read this, then you are able to open the box which means you have manifested my spirit's touch. Welcome. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. I left this box with my oldest child. It was charmed with juju that would make her keep it safe and secret until the time came to pass it on. She has done well, for the juju would only work if she wanted it too, if she believed in me. This is good. I am Ozomena Nim.
but most called me Ozo. I am the warrior folk of the Nim clan, born to Mbafo of the warrior Iforu Nim and Odili of the ghost people. I will get to the point. I was a rebellious child. I did not like being told what to do. So I went out and found a lamb man and gave him children. I did not realize that to do this would lead me to a double life. A leopard is not to tell a lamb what she is. For lambs fear leopards by nature. I did not realize that my actions would lead you to a double life too. And for this, I am sorry. Only after I gave birth and moved in with the father of my children did I really realize the mistake I'd made. I was born with black, black, black skin. And my ability was not only invisibility, it was the ability to go back and forth between the wilderness and the physical world. I only learned this after I reached third level. What is your ability? I feel strongly that it will be like mine. If it is, then there is more history in you than you yet know. As I was, you have been busy. There is something coming. This is all I can say. Not soon, but eventually, soon enough. Maybe you know about this already. Don't fear it if you do. There is more to it than you think. Know that I love you. Know that I wish you well. Know that I have confidence in you because I have confidence in myself. I am incredible. Make leopard friends so that you will not be alone. And forgive the blindness of your parents and siblings. It is not their fault. It is up to you to be mature. I must go. I hear Kodili calling. I want to seal this box tonight, for I feel strongly that something bad will happen to me soon. Take care of yourself and remember what is important. Sincerely, your ancestor, Ozo. It was as if Sunny had gotten a glimpse of her own soul. Now she knew why her grandmother wasn't married. Like Chi-Chi's mother, she too was Nim. Though Chi-Chi's mother was some sort of royalty and Sunny's grandmother was a warrior. What did that mean? And did this make her Nim too? Did that mean she couldn't marry? Was she a warrior? She looked at the sheet of Sabidi symbols. It was all too sophisticated for her to understand. Yet, she put it back in the box with the letter. 
She blinked and took the letter and Sabidi's sheet back out. There was one more thing in the box. An old black and white photograph of an unsmiling, very dark-skinned woman holding a large knife across her chest. Grandma, she whispered. As the old blind woman at the council meeting had said, Sonny looked nothing like her. But what did that matter? She smiled to herself and carefully put the picture back in the box. Final chapter, chapter 22. Headless and Headlines. The next morning, her wasp artist had built a man made out of something like sawdust with a hat of chewed up leaves. The man was plump and looked suspiciously like Black Hat. When Della saw Sonny looking at it, it flew to the dustman's head and hovered next to it batting its wings. The head blew down, blew away. Sonny laughed hard and clapped and said, Well done! Looks just like him! The wasp buzzed its wings with glee and flew out the window. She grabbed the day's paper and unrolled it with shaking hands. The headline read, Children returned safely to their parents. Abba, Nigeria, a three-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy, believed to be the children recently kidnapped by ritual killer Black Hat Otakado, have been safely returned to their parents. They were found wandering the streets by two young men during yesterday's storms. The two men declined to give their names. They were angels sent from God, the mother of the boy said. If you are out there and reading this, know that you have saved my life as you have saved my son's, and I am eternally grateful. The parents of the girl declined an interview, but were also deeply thankful and relieved. Further down the page was a photo of Black Hat's gas station with a headline that read, Gas station goes up in flames after being struck twice by lightning. And that is the end of chapters 20, 21, and 22, bringing us to the end of Akata Witch. I'm low-key bittersweet about the ending only because I need the council to go into more detail. I don't like how they kind of just throw you in there and you got... I, I mean, I guess it's something that we, we got to learn to like. And it, it just goes on to these um, expectations and, you know, us being having to be prepared for things and 
things of that sort. Sometimes we just got to be ready, especially when we know we have a purpose to fulfill. We can't walk into it fearfully. We can't walk into it with hesitations. We can't walk into it with all the questions, refusing not to do anything unless our questions are answered. Sometimes you just have to walk by faith. And I guess that's what the real message is. You just have to walk by faith and walk into your purpose. So I received that, definitely. Um, I'm happy that the two kids were returned home safe and sound. I hope Ordu was able to, like, do checkups on them, you know, because I'm a little attached to them now, too. Like, oh, babies made it, you know, and I want to see if they do recall anything, you know. Um, I don't know what's coming next. I have no idea what's coming next. I, I mean, of course, Ekwin Su is going to try to take vengeance and try to re, re come, reintroduce herself or come back into the world. Um, from the spirit world. And this is why I say there's two, there's three sides of things, you know, like, but it's fine. Um, Black Hat, you know, he just made it kind of easier for us too, because now he's gone. Nobody got to worry about him being used by Equin Sue any longer. It just sucks, you know, because now I do feel like a lot is going to be on Sunny and the in the coven now because the one they survived as well they're the only coven to survive this is this is gonna be tricky i'm looking forward to reading akata warrior um so without further ado i'm gonna go ahead and read the epilogue um that's at the end of this here and um yeah let's get into it now before i do let me just explain what an epilogue is. An epilogue is a section or speech, okay, that's at the end of the book, which is what we're reading, that serves as a comment or a conclusion to what has happened. So let's get into this <laughs> before we get into Akata Warrior. Epilogue. Sunny sat down for her first class after the rains. She felt odd. She glanced over and met Orlu's eyes. They smiled at each other, as if sharing a joke. Once the teacher started talking, Sunny was surprised that she was still interested in learning normal things like algebra, literature, and biology. She could still concentrate. During lunch, Orlu told her that Anatov would let Chi-Chi know when they'd next meet. It'll probably give us two or three weeks to recuperate, he said. But we'll each also be meeting with our mentors on our own time, I guess. I think I have my work cut out for me, Sunny said. With sugar cream as a mentor, there's no doubt about that, he said, laughing. Oh, did Chi-Chi tell you? She and Sasha are going to prepare to pass the second level. I thought you had to be 16 or 17 for that. Well, who knows how old Chi-Chi is. Sasha's early, but after what they just went through, he might as well have gained two years. She nodded. And you don't always have to be that age, he said. 
It's just recommended. But if you don't pass, you suffer suffer terrible consequences. So, you see the logic in waiting? Yeah, she said. So, you don't think you're ready? Orlu shrugged. Are you afraid to fail? What about you? How many of them can say they faced Ekwensu and lived? Not even the scholars can say that. And you have friends in the wilderness. Oh, please. I don't even know what the second level is called. Mbaku, Orlu said as the bell rang. Feels weird, doesn't it? She said to Orlu as they walked back in. You'll get used to it, he said. Having two lives is better than none. True, she said, laughing. And that is the end. All together. Next week, we will be getting into Akata Warrior. And uh, I can't wait because there's going to be a lot more Sabidi in Akata Warrior. So I'll be having more posts up as well on my Instagram. So if you haven't been following me yet, please follow me on Instagram at elevated underscore frequency FHZ. Um, I have it in the description as well. So if there's ever, you know, you need anything such as my Instagram, it is in the description. So you'll be able to see it there as well. But I hope you guys enjoyed Akata Witch with me. A lot took place. It was a lot of spiritual gems in there, messages. Um, hopefully, you know, what resided with you was re- received. I, I hope that you listened and read along with me with an open mind. And um, I look forward to getting into more of this, you know. We're going to, like I said, we're going to start reading Akata Warrior next week. And uh, it's going to get crazy. And then last of the series is going to be Akata Woman. So we are going to be reading all three. So y'all better be ready, be ready, be ready. And, uh, yeah, for this week, stay encouraged. Um, I, this is pre-recorded, so, um, but either way, whenever you listen to this, remember to wind it down, my love, and slow it down, my love. Don't overwhelm yourself, it's gonna get done. So wind it down, my love, and slow it down, my love. Don't overstress yourself. It's going to get done. Until next time, stay true, stay you. Namaste.